I'm Major Robinson. Leslie Messer. Mary Stranahan. Senator Dwayne Ackney. Frank Garner. Marcy McLean in Billings, Montana. In, in Helena, Montana. Colstrip, Montana. Sydney, Montana. In Kalispell, Montana. From Arlie, Montana. And you are listening. And you are listening. And you're listening to. And you are listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. You are listening to the podcast Listen First Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. You know, people always say I'm value-based and, you know, I got these values and they always sound cool and you can put them on the wall and, but living them is hard, you know, actions and uh, deeds, not words. Hello and welcome to Listen First Montana. This is Chantel Schieffer, and tonight we are with Joel Rosette, and we're sitting in the Blackfeet Tribal College in Browning, Montana. Uh, Joel Rosette is the CEO of Rocky Boy Health Center. He received his business administration degree with an emphasis in management and marketing from the University of Montana, go Grizz. Joel obtained his Juris Doctorate at the University of New Mexico School of Law with an emphasis in Indian law. He's a member of the State Bar of Montana. Joel is the owner of Rose, Joel Rosette Law and MTN Leadership, and he currently resides on the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation with his wife and their three children. Joel, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here uh, in the land of the Umskapi Pikani. It's my wife's uh, home territory, so... Yeah, that was my one of my first questions for you was to talk to us about your connection to this land. Well, I think it's a special connection. Uh, my wife is is really my, uh, as I said at Leadership Montana, my Cato. She's my guide. Uh, I think I wouldn't be on this path with if if I didn't meet her. And I was just thinking about her coming over here. We've uh, been through so much together, and it just I feel good uh, talking about her. Though she's uh, amazing, Bonnell. Thank you. We'll hear more about Bonnell in a bit. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So we like to start with just checking in. How are you doing? And not in the, hey, I'm okay, you know, things are good, but really, how are you doing? I am pretty good emotionally, spiritually. I wouldn't say health-wise. I uh, ran the 1K and uh, <laughs> I'm feeling it today. So I, I put that down today as my biggest thought. I'm working on that health and whether it's eating not less powwow foods and uh, a little more uh, healthier uh, plates, but I feel great. I'm, I'm excited uh, about life. Uh, I mean, we've been through a pandemic, but I'm excited to see my kids grow. I'm excited, you know, seasons change. So uh, excited for hunting season, all those things. Yeah. Well, you mentioned powwow food. So we're, we're here in Browning and it's the, the tail end of the uh, Blackfeet Nation powwow. You've been here for a few days with your, your wife's family, right? Yes. When has that been like, that experience? What, tell us what you've seen and done. Oh, it's been great. Um, we've got to camp and have fires and stories and laugh, food, share all that. Kids danced and, uh, you know, fancy, both of them. Uh, they both dance fancy, my daughter and my son, uh, with their their cousins and interacting and dancing together. So it's pretty special uh, for them and all of us uh, to be together. Uh, so it's been a great uh, weekend so far. How old are your children? Uh, my youngest uh, son is seven, Oliver, and my daughter, Jay Quinch, is nine. And and you've spent time outside of Montana in, in Washington State, correct? You had some time in Spokane? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So and, and you moved back. Tell us why you moved back to the Rocky Boy Nation. Well, it was kind of... Spokane was a good relax. We were a little away from the, the community aspect. Uh, we got to come together. I think we were in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, my wife was really panicking. Uh, we were in Washington where a lot of that, the whole COVID seemed like it uh, started from, from the Seattle area and it migrated over west to Spokane. And we were coming home more and more during that time. And 
And I, I think we realized we wanted to be back in Montana. Uh, I think we love Montana. We've always loved Montana. So I, I, timing just hit and suddenly we're back. Yeah. I'm curious what your, how your children have kind of adapted to, to life in the, in the tribal nation versus in a you know, pretty big you know, urban area. What has that been like for them? I think it's been a real eye-opener for them. Um, academically, socially. Um, we have older daughters, too. And uh, one of them graduated over there in, uh, at Mead in uh, Spokane, actually, which was a virtual graduation. So it was totally different uh, for them. Um, the other high schooler that just graduated did not want to come back. She started to like the city life. The younger ones were ready. They missed grandparents. They missed uh, a little slower pace. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I think everybody had their uh, their uh, say in whether we came back, and uh, I think everybody agreed that that was the best decision to make. So, so tell us a little bit about your your life growing up. What's been your your you know snapshot of your life from when you were a kid to to today? Walk us through that journey a bit. Well, uh, through the leadership Montana, I always tell stories about uh, my dad and uh, my grandpa, and uh, it's just been I, I feel. I feel older than I am, uh, and I and I don't mean physically, but I do feel physically today. <laughs> it's that one K, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, but I just feel like I've lived a lot of different lives. Um, for my grandparents, uh, my grandfather uh, Joe Rosette Senior, he was a uh, was a big influence and uh, taking me and my brother and my cousins as young, you know, and teaching us. There was a lot of discipline. Uh, discipline was love. Uh, I take that from my grandpa, and he was a very strong man and uh, tribal leader and all these different things. So he really nurtured me the first part of, of my life, and I, I sp- spent all my time with male figures. It's been it's funny. My wife has changed that. Um, and then my, my dad, too, is the same way. He's been, him and my mother have, they always, and my grandpa, they always said, you're going to make it further than when we ever made it, and it, that was kind of the the point all along. And, you know, they really pushed academics, and it really wasn't the learning part, but just, like, get it done and success and achievement, those types of things. So that was the emphasis. And, I, you know, now that I'm older and I have my own kids, I don't agree totally, but I'm like, that's what got me through. Um, and my dad was the same way. He was pretty strict, uh, pretty... Uh, straightforward uh, with the way things were going to be, <laughs> and and uh, I've uh, I think those those things helped me succeed in this Western uh, world of academics and life, and and I think uh, another man who ended up adopting me was my uh, his name was Ken Gopher uh, Senior here in Rocky Boy, and he just showed me another life of, of that I didn't know. And that was that spirituality and that uh, that connection that I was missing all my life. And uh, so I, I feel like I've been through these phases. And then after all these reflecting, I, I feel like I've come circle of, you know, uh, things I'm supposed to be doing. And that's to be of service to my community or to people, to my family, those types of things. And it's, it's taken a lot. But um, like I said, I felt like I've you know, been remade different times with different folks, with male figures in my life. So I've been very lucky and fortunate. Mm. What does it mean to you to be of service to others? Just, you know, leading with um, compassion. Like, I, I believe uh, all of us are here for a purpose, and mine is to help other people get what they need. Um, and sometimes, that if that means being strict, they might need that. If it's being uh, hard on them, it's that, or if it's being loving and compassionate and empathetic, then, then that's what it is. But I think, you know, you're always there for somebody when they need, uh, need that support as well, though, too, and, and whatever level that is of that support. So, One of the ways that you support your community is as a, as a coach for young women basketball, right? Yeah. Talk to us about that. What has that experience been like for you? Um. I didn't intend to be a girls' coach. Let's just say that. <laughs> I think my brother, the other male figure, that's been very uh, my, my older brother Zane really encouraged me to be a coach. And to be honest, Chantel, I grew up with basketball and sports, and I played basketball from second grade, and I was always the the coach too. 
played point guard and pretty bossy and uh, <laughs> think I know what I was doing. Uh, but I always wanted like a team, like to be a part of a team. And I got into coaching with my brother and then he wanted me to coach the girls or help with the girls and really develop. And I always thought um, being coached that I, w I could do it better <laughs> from what I got sometimes. And, and that's not a knock on anybody, but I always felt like there was more to this. And I'm really competitive. Um, and I, I tried to bring that to the girls, um, that they were capable of amazing things. I tried to give them this confidence that they were, you know, they were better than they may have felt before they were and it took a while I had to learn to coach I was very mm -hmm. good at first I we always had talent at Box Elder High School um I always felt like we could compete with with anybody and I always try to import that on the kids as you know they're small town and we can do anything yeah and giving them this really fierce and gritty little and they were all very small we once in a while we'd get a big girl but most time we were five seven five eight scrappy kids are going to go out there and uh run through a wall for me and and, and the program and really just love uh lady bear basketball so i just those were amazing times uh, just the kids we had and the parents and you know school was you know just a lot of good things how do you how do you intentionally build confidence in high school aged women because <laughs> that's like the probably one of the most like challenging times as speaking as a former high school aged young woman that's like the hardest time to actually identify and build confidence how do you do that it took a while i had to learn to i i wanted to run them over with um with um you know competitiveness and that, yeah, just like all the leadership books, you go back to the heart and you got to win them over. And you got to let them know that you love them and you care about them. And you, you really, you just don't want them to be good basketball players. You want them to be successful in life and whatever uh, they may pursue, like academics. And, and we had a stretch there with some kids that were re really high academic, you know, done well for themselves, got their two years, some of them working on finishing their four years. And. You know, you, when you get those kids and you hit that sweet spot, you start to realize it's not me, it's them. And when you do that, then the things start to click. And I think with girls that I find it a lot easier now after the 11, 12 years coaching girls, I could not coach boys. And I have a young son and I keep t telling him I don't think I could do it uh, because girls, it's, it's just different. Once you win them over with that, that you love them and you really want to see them succeed, they'll do They'll go smash through these walls, and I, I've seen it. I've seen the amazing things from these teenage girls to be just take themselves to another level, and it was it's, it was impressive to watch and to see. So I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but it, it took a lot of hours too, um, a lot of commitment from my wife, uh, our family. Uh, that's why we're enjoying the power. There's been so many summers we've missed uh, <laughs> so many activities because the kids would in June was all spent to basketball. We've never had a summer, really. It's always been basketball the last 11 years, so. Every time that you mention your family uh, in the last 20 minutes that we've been talking, you uh, your, your eyes well up. <laughs> Tell us what makes your heart sing about your family. I am just proud to be, you know, to have a family, and uh, my parents have always imparted that on me. And it's been hard, and it's still a battle. We we still battle with different things, whether it's community, whether it's influences. But you know, I, I think that's a great thing about what I get to do as a leader is be a, a, a husband first. I got to lead myself and lead my my marriage, and be a good husband and. A, a good partner and then be a good dad to my kids and seeing them today being courageous doing things I've never done you know I've never danced and to see them dance and be out there with such courage and, and things it just makes me that you know that that's why we do this so mm -hmm. you know and I, maybe it goes back to my parents teaching I want them to go further than I've ever done so wow you said that uh, you have to lead yourself first what does that mean to you how do you lead yourself you know, and, you know, people always say I'm value-based and, you know, I got these values and they always sound cool and, 
you can put them on the wall and mm-hmm. but living them is hard yeah. you know actions and uh deeds not words and you know and i think with me i'm i'm not as nice all the time like i'm not as positive all the time and 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 i'm not as uh patient <laughs> i am not a patient person so really trying to lead myself how i want you know being positive for my kids being encouraging being there at every activity um showing they matter um uh, and i probably spoil them a lot too by my attention because sometimes they they want a lot of me um but i've really i think those are important uh, if my kids especially we have these older girls and i actually have an older son julius there's f- actually five of us julius lives with his mom but I'm like, I want them to come around more, you know, and then the older girls, I'm glad they still come around. They're 20 and 18 and, you know, they could be off living their life and, you know, and it's good to see that they want to spend time still with us. And then with my young ones, it's like we're living a a second life, I guess, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. because we got younger ones, there's such a gap. But I think me to be a good leader for them, I got to be a good man and do all those things. And I try. I'm not always perfect, uh, not even close, but, you know, if I have intention to be better, I, I, I hope they, they get that from this, uh, from the way I uh, live my life. You know, I, I think we get so hung up on this concept of being perfect, and perfection just doesn't exist in, in this human form, right? Okay. And um, I, I hear so often, you know, people just striving for that, that perfectionistic view of the world and when they don't meet that that high expectation of themselves, they just can really cut themselves down. Just going back to the, the conversation we just had about, you know, building confidence in, in young women, you know, so often we're told we're not enough and we're not good enough and we're not perfect enough. And I hear you say, you know, I'm not perfect. And you embrace that you're not perfect. What is your philosophy on perfection? It's kind of like... Um like this leadership lifestyle, you know, like even when you're leading a team yourself, you know that there's this mountain, you get there, and then there's another one. There's always bigger, bigger ones. So you're never going to get there. And I think with how you live, um, not everybody's going to think you're doing the right things at all the time. As long as you know in the center part, you're going the right direction and, and you're going to keep moving. I think that's all we could do. There's no, I, I realize perfection don't exist. I mean, we look out windows and we could all, we, we always, as humans, we always point out the imperfections. Oh, there's a crack there. You know, there's a window out, whatever. Um, if we spend less time looking for those things, we'll find all those good things. That's, you know, we're, you know what I mean? We're trying mm-hmm. to, instead of looking for the stain, let's, let's look for the positive and things. And that's something I have had to learn to do though. I try to tell my kids when, especially if me and my wife are having this really intelligent, or we think we're having an intelligent discussion <laughs> and and we're talking about, you know, critical things and, you know, high level things. And we could be sounding negative or we could be sounding like we want to change the world and our kids could take it, you know, they're complaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And so we have to watch our words. And to me, just being solid. Mm-hmm. So when you're having one of those deep conversations with your wife and you're talking about changing the world, what does that better world look like for you? I think, um, you know, as an adi- indigenous person, we've, we've talked about like some of the social issues we face. Um, the education system, she's an educator. Um, and I think, you know, how does that in, uh, interact with uh, indigenous thought? Um, how do we inspire future generations to think, you know, that what we are as indigenous persons is enough? I think sometimes when we're trying to fit into this Western world, we, we think we're not enough. And then even if you go back to your indigenous home, whether you're enough in that home, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think us just inspiring that, you know, you're enough, whatever you choose to go, but, you know, go forward, uh, pursue things, adventure be courageous, those types of things, just like what we learn at Leadership Montana. And I think that's harder than it it sounds, especially when you have a certain population that needs more hope, more mm-hmm. people pushing for. Because uh, some people think, 
why you want to change things. We're not. We're trying to inspire people because uh, I think that's important as always to be um, moving forward because our people have always done that. Like I'm, I'm from Rocky Boy and our people have always endured, but they've been, been resilient, but they've always grown too. So we haven't, you know, those values and those traditions and those customs have stayed but we also have to grow within this Western system, and how does that look? So, mm. so you you serve on Leadership Montana's Indigenous Advisory Council, and we're here in Browning for our third session of our Indigenous Immersion Initiative, which we've just launched this last year, and this has been uh, a program that we have been working on for a while and one that's really important to me for a number of reasons. One, really taking the opportunity to deeply understand and immerse into our tribal nations is something that um, I've personally wanted to do for a long time and have definitely wanted to bring the Leadership Montana container into for several years. And I'm, I'm curious what what this means to you as an indigenous person. What does it mean to have this intentionality around, you know, bridging the cultural divides? Well, I think um, perspective, because um, like my perspective from whatever I've seen in my life is going to be different. And, you know, uh, it's kind of funny, Lewis and Clark people, love Lewis and Clark he did this amazing thing and then from a indigenous perspective you're like <laughs> you know and, and and it's not to be disrespectful but that's a matter of, of perspective right mm-hmm. and I think even as indigenous people we have to be respectful of the other perspectives as well so I think it's it's back and forth that needs to take place too um, I think we need to show things because we're not all regalia either too Mm -hmm. it's not all a a power on the reservation every every day and every week too we're not all the past of you know um because i have (laughs) funny i have a sister not just to digress Mm -hmm. and her daughter married a a gentleman from he's from virginia and he asked if we uh because they were going to bring him out to the reservation and and he said, you guys still got buffalo? And we, we said, yes, we got buffalo. Uh, just recently, though. <laughs> and he was like, thinking, you know, it's pretty uh, 1883 type uh, <laughs> perspective. So, um, you know, for a city person to, to understand that on the East Coast and thinking we're, we're not uh, moving forward a little bit with running water and different things, it's a little, it's a little different. So realizing people, when they see us, from Rocky Boy or how an Indian person, you know, because, you know, if we're going to talk race too, I mean, you see me, i got green eyes, uh, maybe a little lighter uh, toned. Well, maybe I am a little lighter toned. Uh, and they'll be like, oh, you're, you're Native? And I'll be like, yes. And I think understanding those, those things and how, how we uh, bridge that and having the discussion, being okay with it too, and not agreeing on everything is fine too. So uh, I think, you know, when Rocky Boy, you know, there's Haver, we go all the way to Haver, which is 25 miles away, to do all of our business. Mm-hmm. You know, we bank there, we shop there. So we spend our money there. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes our community don't feel like that's reciprocal, um, which depends, perspective, I guess. Mm. And and I and uh, I think from Rocky Boy, I think we need to think about how do we build business here, though, on our reservation, mm-hmm. and then invite people in. Uh, they do a great job here in Blackfeet country, inviting people in. Uh, seen at the powwow, so. But uh, I think it's just uh, it's a good thing. I'm excited for what you're doing and what you guys have accomplished, and you know, just to have some you know a dialogue back and forth and making it okay because I think people are afraid to mm-hmm. talk about it so yeah it's uh, i will say though it's what we are doing you're part of of we you're a big part of this and i'm grateful for your leadership on this thank you let's talk a little bit about your your leadership montana journey excuse me so you graduated from our flagship class in 2015 and our master's class in 2022. So just finished your master's class. 
And in 2015, um, you had an opportunity to host your class in Rocky Boy. And that is still to this day is one of my um, deepest Leadership Montana memories, my most fond memories of, of you actually serving for us an elk that you harvested. What was it like having 40 friends visit your, your tribal family? Uh, I would like, you know, I've heard so many great comments about it, and I'm just so proud that it, it went well. Uh, I have to give all the credit on the elk to my wife and my, my late mother-in-law and the preparation, because I kind of last minute it to my wife, and I told her about two days before, and she was like, you're going <laughs> to kill me. <laughs> and... Uh, and the elk uh, came out great. Um, we had uh, different people from the reservation agree to come up, and we did presentations. Have, and we had a good support system from the tribal college, Stone Child College. Um, and it was, and then my daughters uh, and their basketball team mm -hmm. did some of the the serving of the food, uh, and I put them all on the spot. Uh, that's kind of challenging them, made them all say what they're going to do. And That's how you build confidence. Yes. It was pretty, uh, pretty cool moment to share that, um, your family with everybody else. And, you know, in that whole journey, I, I, my son was born. My youngest mm -hmm. son was born. I missed the graduation. Yeah. was worried my wife was going to, he was born on May 4th, which was, we would have made it. <laughs> we, I was just worried that I would be there and she'd kill me if I missed the birth <laughs> of my son. So. Um, but it was, um, uh, that whole journey, I think that even that whole year, it just changed my life. Mm. How so? Well, I didn't, um, get on the leadership tip. Um, probably I was in business school at university, read some books, you know, I thought of leadership, but I never really thought about it like that, like living it. I think I, sometimes you people associate it with a position or a role, a title, and just to see and meet so many uh, great individuals and, you know, just the level of discussion was another level of uh, that opened me up more. I was scared. I was real shy. I'm an introvert by, uh, by nature, so it really had to pull me out of my comfort zone, and I needed that. I needed to be stretched, and that's what it did. It, uh, I don't, it's hard to describe, but if it didn't happen, I don't know where I'd where that journey would have took. So mm -hmm. it was, it was, I was very fortunate. So now I am welling up and I, and I need a moment. Tell us about your most recent um, experience with the master's class. So you had what, seven years between flagship and master's. So lots of opportunity to put into practice your flagship experiences and, and then take them to the master's class and kind of sharpen them up a bit. What, what was that like for you, that experience? It was great. Um, I met a lot of a new friends, um, uh, couple of them on the podcast I've seen so mm -hmm. um and made some I felt like I've grown I've been able to hold some conversations a little more with people and uh, open up a little more I, I think I was real guarded uh naturally the leadership challenge and all that w was another stretching I'm still trying to figure that out I feel like I'm still on that journey it's like a never-ending like you're never going to quite catch it but you're going to keep looking so it was a great experience and it was very demanding on my mental part i think with uh, you know trying to focus on your values who you are really looking at yourself so it's more intimate personally than the the flagship and then i i got to see everyone I got to graduate and mm -hmm. got to be there in bozeman and my wife was there the kids were all there so they all got the leadership experience too and they really were happy for me and excited so that, that graduation day was just such a blur because there were, you know, we had two flagship classes that we graduated plus our master's class for like a, almost 100 graduates. And I just remember looking out there and I saw this big, beautiful, shiny tie. Yeah. And that was your tie. <laughs> what? Tell me about that, your tie. Well, I was gifted that my, my, my sister-in-law, Cache Baker, uh, she works at Box Elder School. Uh, I was coaching. She wanted me to look good on the, uh, the sidelines as a coach of Lady Bear. She was a big supporter of... Lady Bears, and she gifted me that, and I'm just very thankful. And I thought I would show it off. Uh, I don't always wear it because it's pretty special, uh, but I, it was a big day, so I thought I better show up in my best. Oh, it's a gorgeous tie.
So speaking of this this unusual, challenging time that we're in right now, you're CEO of Rocky Mountain Health. What has that been like? And and you took that job in the pandemic, right? So you yeah. knew what you were getting into. <laughs> it's a good thing you have all those leadership skills. Yeah. What, what's the last couple of years been like for you in this in this role? Yeah, Rocky Way Health Center. Uh, we uh, we've had some great uh, individuals working there. It helps to join an organization during that with, you know, great people. I mean, any success we have, it's built on the community and the people love for our community and the health and safety of our folks. And um, I think having those leadership Montana experiences really, I probably wouldn't have been ready for that. Um, I probably wouldn't have been prepared after that without, I was preparing. I didn't realize it. I took on that leadership next steps after leadership Montana from, reading and studying and be more of a student of leadership and prepared me for the role now am i doing a good job i hope so i hope the people know i love and care about them and i want to see our organization be the best uh, they know i'm always asking can we do better can we do this better can we be more efficient uh, you know we really want to serve our our, our uh, patients with some great customer service and you know, just them loving coming into our facility, always answering the calls, always being there, always being, you know, having appointments available. I think with a community health center, we want to be able to have access to care, and that's been critical. And the pandemic made it tough. It really mm-hmm. did, but we learned a lot. I think if you don't take that experience and learn and try to get better and prepare and, and make edits, you're doing that uh, those hard times a, a disservice because that's what builds. We, we all know that. The best things are built from hard times and from struggles and adversities, and that's what we have to do. And that's what we we keep talking to each other about. Let's build on this. Let's let's get better. Let's serve better. That's such an interesting way to view the world. I like taking this challenging time as a positive, and and how we build and how we grow from that. And I think that goes back to perfection isn't possible, and we have to continue to progress. Um, and another one of my favorite philosophies is you have to fail in order to, to learn and to grow and to put that lens on this current challenge, I think is, I haven't done that till just now. I think we're still in it, but I think we can examine, you know, what we've been through and you've seen people improve. You've seen organizations improve. You've seen the love for people improve through that because there was a lot of people that lost a lot of loved ones. Uh, mm-hmm. We were impacted, me and my family directly, and you know, and just seeing you know the the effects of COVID on people with um, um, other different health factors that made it easier and then more susceptible to it. So uh, we were like, well, we we got to do better. Uh, mm-hmm. If there's another, another another pandemic, if there's another um, thing we have to face, we'll be prepared for it. And, and I think that's the only way we could succeed as humans too. Uh, is look at those. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how did how did the Rocky Boy Nation respond to the pandemic? You know, we've seen other tribal nations in Montana, especially those that have high tourism, like the one that we're in now, Blackfeet Nation, kind of shut down from visitors. How did um, how did Rocky Boy respond? Well, we don't have as many visitors. We're a little <laughs> off the beaten path, but it's a beautiful place. It I just is. have to make sure I give credit to my homeland. Um, we did the, the shutdown, and, but I think we were more effective with education, mm-hmm. um, really chowting, staying in contact with our community pushing the vaccine we've had a very successful vaccine rate push uh, five and over we were probably in the 78 78 percent so it's been a pretty solid wow. return on the vaccine with getting everybody and people pitching in uh, there, there was a lot of community effort during that uh, getting food out to people through the the tribe getting especially those on uh, quarantine when everybody was scared to go out and we didn't have people moving freely about. So the community really came together. Um, all tribal departments of the Chippewa Creek tribe were uh, imperative to us having, um, you know, success during that pandemic. And, you know, there was failures. I meant there always is. Um, but I, I feel like we managed it pretty well. Um, the tribe did a great job and Everybody, everybody played a role, uh, and including the community. I think there was a real love for each other, 
and, and the compassion came out during those hard times. So, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would do differently? <laughs> I think, I think we always would with situations. I mean, even coming here and preparing, mm-hmm. probably would have did a few things a little differently. <laughs> Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, I'd like to take that experience and prepare for the if there's ever a next one or a different type of different type of challenge because there's going to be mm-hmm. challenge at, uh, for sure tomorrow morning uh tuesday will probably be one as well mm-hmm. i think as leaders we always have these these challenges that come up i mean we're never going to get away from if you're in leadership like we got a gracious space pat mm-hmm. run to the roar and i i think that's what as leaders that's what we're doing and we don't realize it sometimes because you know the world's spinning so fast but that's that's why we show up to be leaders mm-hmm I have definitely recently found myself being really tired of running to the roar. Do you ever find yourself exhausted by dealing with the challenges? And he's nodding yes. So my follow-up question then is, how do you, how do you take care of yourself in those times of, you know, when you need to take care of yourself and so that you can continue to take care of others? I'm learning. Um, being here, taking few more days off uh slowing down I, I never did this for my wife i felt bad like i was here but i was, long, I was gone tonight because i had to be at work monday i had things to to do so mm-hmm. longer less laptop less uh, um less reading <laughs> less uh thinking about work and rather than being present mm-hmm. um but I'm, I'm the same way with you i get burnt out Especially with people, and I love people, but I'm an introvert. Sometimes it gets draining, though. Like, I just want to step back and not talk for a while and think and have my thoughts. So I really try to do that, uh, finding my time in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about it at the leadership. I try to take the mornings to read and, and journal and really take that, have my time in the morning. I, I should be doing healthier things, though, right now, I'm starting to think maybe biking or running or, or walking, but I'll get there. Um, but really be more focused on yourself. You, could, you can't serve others uh, unless you're taking care of yourself and, and you're healthy. And I, I realize that I can't be at my best unless I take care of myself. So I've set some boundaries with people as well. Like I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. I can't be there at every every event uh every life turning event for for you because i have to take care of me so i could be there later for you Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm doing a lot more this summer um definitely with my family i got another trip planned with my wife and the kids and just taking a few days enjoying montana this summer is all about montana we're not gonna be leaving too much trying to explore different areas of montana so um and then a few more powwows rocky boy heart butte um We'll we'll take it slow. Rest and play, right? Yes. Yeah. I have a really high threshold of leaving Montana in the summer. I'm going to switch to our lightning round in a moment. Before I do that, is there anything that you want to share with us that that we haven't covered? We've covered a lot. Jeez. I could go on all night, but uh, (laughs) we're trying to keep this within an hour. No, I think overall with leadership, Leadership Montana has been like I said, a guiding post. In my, my When I first started, my wife, I'd throw things off her and she was teasing me about them. Back then, I remember, like the gracious space house. I was like trying to tribalize it as much as possible. Gracious space, I'm still in that. The same with these leadership concepts into like language. Because we all have these values that are shared. Same with uh, religion and spirituality. There's a lot of with whether it's tribal or non-tribal, you know, different, you know, foreign, there's some concepts that all come together. And I think with, with leadership, there is too, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to uh, tribalize as much as possible to make them feel that this is ours. We own that. And I think that's important to indigenous people from that thought is us owning something. And I'm not saying that a lot of this originated from us, but I'm just saying the the ones I know about in my tribe, these values, they've come out in my leadership um, from love to compassion to respect, empathy, humility. Uh, humility is huge. Uh, <laughs> I was taught that really quickly by my, uh, my older brother <laughs> and my dad. Um, I think those things, 
you know, I, I think is, is the great part about leadership and trying to impart those on our, on my relatives and, and on our folks. And, and I think that's my next steps is, you know, how do we, how do we make this a normal conversation in Rocky Boy about leadership and mm-hmm. about values and, and things rather than us, you know, arguing about things that really don't matter. You know, we mm-hmm. want to take these things to a, a higher level of thinking, which our people have always done from back in the day. Um, there's always been this higher level of, of thinking from spirituality to um, to science and all these different concepts. They were always there. So, mm-hmm. What would you say to, to an indigenous Montanan who was maybe thinking about um, joining Leadership Montana but was hesitant? What would you say? Uh, I think fear and and um, not feeling a part of something is is normal uh, whether it's an indigenous community or a non-indigenous uh, i think it's up to us though to have that that courage to to step out from the the comfort zone to to really grow like we're talking about struggle and pain like you can't go through the, all those and be the same mm-hmm. so you got to go through the hard stuff to get to um better and improvement and and i think that's what leadership montana would do for you and and those that are comfortable that's great you're going to even go further uh than you thought possible so and like we talked about from the beginning i think that's what i i'd like to see for indigenous people is just realize you could do anything uh there are no limits uh you are capable of of greatness so uh that's what i would impart on them Mm, i love that You've said the word courage maybe 45 times in the hour. What does courage mean to you? Well, I'm on a, I'm on a philosophy tip, so I might as well share it a little yeah. bit. Uh, stoicism, a little bit. They talk about courage, temperance, wisdom, and justice. And I think those all, like I said, I always, I always take them back to tribal views. I'm like, those are tribal views. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, those are ours. And, uh, and I, and I just love uh, thinking about our people and the courage it took to, like Rocky Boy, and and and, and I think those those are the values. Courage is an important one to me because it's taken so much for me to get to develop myself and and, and to grow. Because I think when I was thinking about other people, I was like, you could do this because I didn't have all those tools. I didn't, some of them had more tools than me. I'm not a smart guy. I just like went out there and just said I was going to do it. And, and to do that, I realized I, that's what my, my, my leaders, my people had given me was that. And it was, sometimes it was more than they had too, which was crazy. And I'm like, that's what I want to give to my kids to other kids, to just to anybody I meet, I think that's important is like, um, is to have this mind of abundance. Like I'm, I want to give it all away, you know, so they could have it. So whatever I have. So I, I think that's important. Um, and that word, it's just been, I've been encountered more and more too. And um, there must be a reason. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. Uh, mm trying to uh, live it through deeds not words mm. courage is one of my favorite words and one of my core values so I'm I'm digging it all right all right let's do the lightning round how would you define leadership mm, that's a tough question no leadership is is really I think it's evolved so my personal concept is leading with with heart and you know showing people you care about them and you want them just like we were talking about to get the best they can to achieve more than they they thought possible inspire hope and really whatever role you know that's that's the type of thing I think really getting that leadership value to everybody as well like just do the best you are with what you got and then when something new comes along you can take that advantage of that too and I want to be encouraging of people of that wow what is something amazing that's happened to you recently? Oh, geez. Amazing. That's a tough one. I feel like there's been a lot of great moments. Waking up in the camper this morning mm. was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, having a little camper, my, my, it was my, 
uh, father-in-law, my wife and my father-in-law in there. We were all, all hunkered down. So pretty good morning. Um, mm-hmm. But having my parents still alive, um, sharing a life with them, um, geez, I just feel very fortunate. Um, you know, you go through these struggles and you see these pains, but like there's enough. I got enough. Mm. So mm. realizing that, I guess. That's pretty amazing. What are you reading right now? Oh, geez. It's been a, it's been a tough read. It's uh, Ray Dalio's Principles. It's a big book. Some of it I like, some of it I'm not a big fan, but I'm reading that one. I got a few others in the in the hopper. Uh, I read my daily. I read the uh, daily Stoic daily, and I also read uh, poem a day. Uh, what's your favorite thing about being a dad? Um, I know it's going to be going away here shortly. When I come home and they run up, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, love you, and I miss you," and you know. That moment I realized it's just the window is real short and it's going to be like, oh, you're home. Mm. But I think right now that's still my favorite, that they still sit on my lap, hug me. Uh, they tell me all those good things about how I'm a pretty cool dad. So, What's the most important thing you can teach your kids? That's a tough one. You know, respect, love compassion all those things i i didn't really get taught you know the part about being respect was taught but not compassion and love and and really showing them that and and i think i'll use that word again courage and have Mm -hmm. courage to pursue their dreams pursue their passion whatever it may be uh just them to go and do it if you could spend a full day doing anything what would that be you know i was just thinking it's funny i was prepared for this question because I was thinking, if I didn't have kids, what would I be doing right now? I was like, I didn't golf yet this summer. I shoot my bow once in a while. I haven't worked out consistently. So um, I think it would be spending time um, with one of my kids' activities, I think, or with my wife um, doing, you know, we just sit. Sometimes we play crib. And we Sometimes we just talk. I think just having those high-level discussions. I call them high-level. I wanted to use my air quotes, but they won't be able to see me. But I think just spending time with the people you love and whatever form it is and, and, and just taking it all in. All right, last question. So years from now, the history books are written, and it tells this great story of this remarkable Montana leader, Joel Rosette. What what is the story that that history book tells us? Wow, wasn't prepared for that one though. Um, I never thought about myself as that. I've always been, like I said, tried to be uh, humble. Um, I think just that I was a uh, a compassionate person um, that really wanted others to do um, amazing things. I think I it's kind of funny. I know it's supposed to be quick, but I was going to make a story into it. Um, When I was going through school, I did my undergrad very quick, four years, went right to a law degree, got that done, and I thought, geez, that was too fast. I should have took the longer, longer way around. And uh, but I, I was thinking that if I could do this, where I didn't always have the tools and you know the the things needed that people from my community should be able to do this. And I know they could. I, I remember some smarter people that I grew up with and just not being able to do that. It made me sad, actually. It makes me sad when I see these people with these great gifts way more than me. And and I'm like, geez, if you could just see yourself. And I think that's what I want them to say, that I always wanted to bring that out in people, that to see them, see their light and and, and give them that. And, and I think for growing up in an indi- indigenous community, I think that's something that's been imparted on me is like, I want to see all these people, my relatives, uh, do amazing things. Uh, it doesn't have to be education. It don't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be those typical things of success, money, 
house, all that. Just being good people, uh, building our community to uh, abundance mindset, and you know, just being proud of our community and our people. And I and I hope that's what they they would say in that book. And that he was a family man. He cared for his family and you know, all of his people. So. Mm. Well, I see you doing that every day and it's such an honor to know you and to be in your presence and to be in your orbit and thank you for spending this time with us of course but thank you for what you do for montana you're a pretty amazing leader well thank you uh, I'm, I'm blushing uh, <laughs> um, i try to um you know montana i tried to embrace you know there's so much great things about montana the values the, the people i always say it's the people though yeah. Montana is a special place, and you're right, it is the people, and it's people like you. Thanks, Thank Joel. You. Thank you. Thanks to Joel Rosette and Chantel Schieffer for that fantastic conversation. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or share your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro song is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. guys do mic checks on your mic you check mic check mic yeah, check yeah same mic check mic yeah, check yeah. mic check oh i always wanted to do mic that check one two <laughs> yeah <laughs> drop the beat yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah. as far as my talent goes me too <laughs>